Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You don't have God in the box. He he doesn't get in your box. He won't get in your box. You will find all the time that he's just doing stuff and you're like, wait, wait. Well, come on, Lord, are are you sure you're going to bless those people? Because, you know, I don't like what they're doing. But he doesn't seem to be that bothered with it. And this is, quite frankly, this is a reality. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, in a message titled, The Battle for the Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. If you try to add anything to Christ, then you lose the gospel. And God saved the Gentiles without requiring them to come under the Mosaic system. And so any addition to the finished work of Jesus is to be completely rejected. So that brings us to the relevance of the topic for today. And and believe me, it's relevant because every generation has this battle to fight in one way or another. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ. And if we add anything else to that, as I said, we lose the gospel. But it wasn't just the Jews who did it back in this apostolic era. This has been repeated over and over and over again in history. And there are things that we can point to right now, currently, that are happening somewhere around us that are really similar to this and, in essence, pretty much doing the same kind of thing. And so let's look at a few of those things. Anyone who says, if you want to be saved, believe in Jesus and do this, just walk away because that's not the gospel. They're not giving you the gospel. Any addition, any attempt to add to the finished work of Christ actually diminishes from the work of Christ. So so any addition whatsoever. Now, like I said, you can find this happening today. There are some people that say, yes, believe in Jesus and be baptized. And be baptized in some cases in a very particular way. Here's the method. Here's the formula. And if you haven't, been baptized in this way, using this formula, then you're not saved. So basically what they're saying is that, yeah, believing in Jesus is right and good, and of course it's necessary, but you also have to be baptized. Well, that's adding something to the gospel. And in in the end, it's taking away from the gospel because it's really making your salvation contingent upon your baptism and upon the formula that was used for your baptism. And it's not a simple trust in the finished work of Christ. So you have that. You even have some who would say, well, believe in Jesus, but you got to be part of this church. Believe it or not, there, there are groups that say that. As a matter of fact, one group that emphasizes baptism also says you've got to be part 
of our church. There's, a, there's what is known as the International Church of Christ. Now, there's two Church of Christ. There's one Church of Christ that is a, a legalistic Christian denomination. They believe that you can't have musical instruments and all of that sort of stuff. They're, they're Christians. They're Orthodox. They kind of do have the baptismal hang up a little bit too, but not to the point of saying that unless you're baptized into our church, you're not saved. But the International Church of Christ, which is much more prevalent in the culture, which preys on young people on college campuses and things like that, this is basically their message. Their message is uh, you can only be saved by being baptized by us because we're the Church of Christ. Everything else is not the Church of Christ. We are the Church of Christ. And so you've got to be baptized in this particular way, and you've got to be part of our organization. And they will even threaten people that if you ever leave us, will you basically leave salvation? Because salvation is, is through us. So, I mean, this is happening. We don't have to look for examples, you know, 2,000 years ago in history. So you've got that. You still have today those who would emphasize law-keeping. Well, yes, you can, you, you know, believe in Jesus, but you also... You need to keep the law. Uh, there's a big problem in Israel today among the Messianic congregations. Now, I've been to Israel a number of times. I know people in these congregations. There's a, a huge problem because they, they can't seem to get freed from the law. They can't seem to, to really just take the Pauline understanding of salvation. They're always getting entangled again in the law and thinking that somehow, you know, the law of Moses has got to be a part of our salvation. And so in some cases, they're just basically saying like, yeah, believing in Jesus is great. Of course, we need to believe in Jesus. He's the Messiah. But we also got to adhere to Moses. That's not the gospel. And anyone who's doing that is not preaching the gospel. Maybe it's not law keeping in the, the Jewish sense, but maybe it's good works. But yeah, believing in Jesus and doing good works, that's how you get saved. No, you get saved by believing in Jesus. You do good works as a result of having believed in Jesus and become saved. So you see, good works proceed from our salvation. They don't precede our salvation. So I don't do good works and then God says, oh, those are great. Yeah, I'm going to save you because, you know, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Some people... That, that's what they think. No, that's not the way it works. No, God saves us because we say, God, I need to be saved. I'm a sinner. I don't really have anything to offer. I've got nothing to bring to the table. I've got nothing to commend myself to you. God, I cast myself on your mercy. He saves us. And then, of course, he fills us with the spirit and he guides us through his word. And then we begin to do good works. We begin to live the way he wants us to live. There's, there's one other example I'll give. And, and this one is so crazy that I, I kind of even hesitate to give it, except for the fact that I have been asked this question numerous times. And this is it. Some people actually teach that salvation is believing in Jesus and speaking in tongues. There, there's denominations that that, that teach that. I've had conversations with people. I think I talked to someone just maybe last week who uh, a lady was telling me on the phone on a, a radio broadcast. She was telling me that her church says that she's not saved because she doesn't speak in tongues. But 
it's a thing that's out there and it's dead wrong. It, it's dead wrong. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like these guys who came down to, to Antioch, you know. Again, you could understand where they might have been bothered that they weren't doing certain things a certain way and they might have concluded that they, you know, they, they're Christians, but they need to really get their act together. But no, they came down and said, you guys aren't even saved because you're not keeping the law of Moses. Well, that's, that's the same kind of a thing. It's like, hey, do you speak in tongues? No, you're not saved. That's not the gospel. Needless to say, I, th I think it should be needless to say, but apparently it's not. So, but you get the point, right? If it's believing in Jesus and it's not the gospel, the gospel is simply believing in Jesus. You know, you're, you're believing that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. He, he's the one who saves us. He did all the work and we just, we just believe it. We just say, yes, Lord. I, I receive what you did. That's what was happening in Antioch. That's why all these Gentiles were getting saved. Man, if it was, hey, you Gentiles, come on, sign up. First of all, all you guys line up over there. We're going to circumcise you. And, and then, hey, we're going to give you a list of things you can't eat and can't eat and all that. There would have been no revival, right? I mean, Judaism was around for a long time. There, nobody was beating down the door to get into the synagogue from the Gentile world. But they were certainly beating down the door of the Christian congregation saying, we want in, we want to be part of this because of the grace of God. Now, I want to also, as our last point, is I want to give a secondary application to this. And secondary meaning that there are things that happen in the church today that are, there. it's not, People aren't going to the extreme of, of making it a salvation issue, but what they often do is, even though they, you know, reluctantly acknowledge that, well, yeah, I guess these people are saved, you know, but, that, but they're highly suspicious and critical of them other than that. Now, again, I want you to remember the, the setting of the controversy, which was the Church of Antioch. So... Antioch is that dynamic, vibrant, growing church. It's the church that's getting the gospel out to the world. The Jerusalem church, on the other hand, um, they're, they're kind of stuck. You know, they're just having all these debates and disputes about the law of Moses and Jewish customs and these kinds of things. And some among them have we've seen, as we've seen, not, not the apostles, but some among them they despise what's happening in Antioch. And what's behind that is that these guys were hung up on tradition. They were just stuck in tradition. To them, it was like, yeah, Jesus is great. The gospel, you know, he came and saved. But, you know, they were just stuck in the, the Jewish customs and traditions. They just couldn't see beyond that. And therefore... They were critical of anything that didn't comply with that. They were, they were really critical of anything that they, they couldn't take credit for or they couldn't control it, and they sought to quench it. I mean, basically, these guys just said, this has got to stop. Can you imagine that? I mean, God's moving, and they say, this has got to stop because this doesn't fit with our understanding of things. So 
My point is this, the same thing happens within the church today. And that this happens all the time. It just, it repeats itself over and over again. We got to break out of this cycle. And here's what happens. We get entrenched in our traditions. And when someone comes along and does something different, they do it differently than the way we do it. We criticize them. We question their theological integrity and their motives. We view all that they say and do through a lens of suspicion. And of course, we've got to warn others about them. So for the cause of Christ, we slander the servants of Christ. That's a reality. And if you don't believe me, just go on Facebook. But really, don't go on Facebook. Just believe me. <laughs> because it's ugly on Facebook. Man, I'll tell you, it, I, I, I can't even imagine any like unbeliever ever getting saved, you know, if they follow the threads on Facebook of Christians fighting with each other. It's just utterly insane what happens with that. But this is all due to that pharisaical spirit. And God deliver us from that. May we instead be like Barnabas. Barnabas goes down and he sees the grace of God. Now, I could imagine when Barnabas and even when Paul would later show up in Antioch. I mean, these are Gentiles. You know, these are people that are coming out of utter and, and complete paganism and idolatry and perversion. So on the one hand, you've got to imagine that there was probably some messy stuff in the church there. But when Barnabas and Paul came, they, they could see through that. They could see that, you know, God's working. And Barnabas, he was glad when he saw the grace of God and he encouraged them. That's what he did. Instead of, you know, criticizing them, instead of questioning their salvation. No, he encouraged them. That's, that's the spirit that, that we need to have. Now, God is working wonderfully all around the world. And you know what? He's even working through ministries that I don't totally agree with theologically or philosophically. And the difference is theologically would be doctrinal stuff. Philosophy would be the way they do things. Uh, but there, there are those out there that they, you know, we don't hold to the same theology. I think mine is better and right. <laughs> they, they don't hold to my better and right theology. They don't do things the way I do them, but apparently my opinion isn't all that important to God because he's blessing them. So, you know, what can I say? Listen, we say this, and sometimes it's maybe overstated, but I think it's, it's really true, and I'm going to say it again. You can't put God in a box. You can't do it. I mean, you can try to. And we get our, our little boxes and we just say, okay, this is, you know, God fits right in here. This is what he does. This is our church box. This is our movement box. This is our denomination box, whatever you want to call it. And we've got God, you know, just situated right there perfectly in the box where we can manage him. That's a delusion. You don't have God in the box. He, does, he doesn't get in your box. He won't get in your box. You will find all the time that he's just doing stuff and you're like, wait, wait, well, come on, Lord, are, are you sure you're going to bless those people? Because, you know, I don't like what they're doing, but he doesn't seem to be that bothered with it. And this is quite frankly, this is a reality 
God is blessing who he wants to bless, and he shows mercy to whom he wants to show mercy, just as the scripture says. And, and we need to just reserve judgment and criticism and recognize that, you know, there are certain things that we can be so passionate about that God evidently doesn't care that much about. Now, of course, there, there's two things. There's essential Christian doctrine. And let me just explain that really quickly. Essential Christian doctrine means you have to believe these things to be Christians. If you don't believe this, then you're actually not a Christian. Now, so that, those are things, you know, the person of God, God is a triune God. Jesus is God's son. He's divine. He's the second person of the Trinity. Jesus died on the cross, literally died. He died for the sins of the world. He bodily rose up from the dead. By faith in him, we are saved. The Bible is God's word. Those, those kinds of things. Those, those are essential things that all Christians have to hold in common. But you know, there's a bunch of non-essentials as well. And a non-essential doctrine is, a, is basically a doctrine that doesn't, salvation isn't connected to it. In other words, you can believe even the wrong thing, but it doesn't really affect your salvation. So when it comes to the essentials, yes, that's where we have to maintain our, our position of orthodoxy. And that's where we have to push back uh, against false teaching and so forth. But most of the time, the, the kinds of behavior that I'm describing don't have anything to do with essential doctrine. It has to do with secondary things, things that don't really determine whether you're saved or not. And even the people who are all hot and bothered about this stuff, they, they know that. That's why they kind of say, well, yeah, I got it. Well, I know they're saved, but. But if you know they're saved, but, then just leave the butt out and just let God deal with it. You know, that's the thing. We have to trust God. This past week I had, uh, we had a gathering here with 20 pastors from Orange County, all from different backgrounds. Most of them kind of independent churches, but actually there was a, a Lutheran pastor here. So more, you know, a traditional denomination. And, and we had about 20 pastors, and then they brought members from their ministry team, their pastoral staff. So we had a little over 100 people in our fellowship hall right here. And we had an absolutely amazing time of worship, a time of prayer together, a time of encouraging one another. And I can tell you right now, there are people in that room that I I do not agree with them on certain theological points. But you know, I don't really care because those aren't essentials. They're, they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're different views. They don't change whether a person's saved or not. And rather than, you know, being critical or feeling like I've got to correct that, or, or coming along and rebuking them or refusing to associate with them because of that. You know, that's the wrong approach. We need to love each other. We need to bless what God is doing. And, and again, you, you know, you see that, well, you know, God, it looks like God's working. I mean, you can't really explain this stuff in human terms. And look at the people. I mean, all of these people are coming to faith in Jesus. I mean, you know, that's a good thing. Even if they don't do it the way we do it, it's a good thing. And so that's... That's what 
we need to focus on. The primary thing is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead for our justification. And by simply putting our faith in him alone to save us, we will be eternally saved. And let's keep the main thing the main thing. That is the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing and be those who are for the gospel wherever, however, and by whomever it is truly being proclaimed. That's the thing. You know what? It's, it's not my role to look at a certain person and say, well, you know, I'm going to judge them. That, that's God's job. And, and God's using them. And instead of being critical of that or judging that, I want to look at it and say, well, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, you know, with that person or, or through that group. And, and listen, Paul the Apostle was a big man. He was a big man. He could even say something as radical as this. Paul had enemies. He had people who were out to get him, out to undermine what he was doing. And they preached the gospel out of impure motives. He knew that their motives weren't really sincere. He knew that they were actually preaching the gospel because they thought that it added to his burden. He knew all of that. But you know what he said? He said, but you know what? I rejoice in this, that Christ is preached. <laughs> that, that's huge. Paul, was a, he was a giant. He could look past all of that stuff and say, yeah, their motives might be wrong. You know, it might be all based on their contention with me. But you know what? Who cares? Christ is preached, and in that I will rejoice. That's, that's the main thing. And so that's the mentality that we must have. That, that's a mature mentality. And so God help us not to be pharisaical like, like these guys were. And God help us to just, even if it doesn't meet our particular philosophy or even our uh, secondary theological ideas, to just be able to say, well, you know what? Praise the Lord. God's at work. People are coming to Jesus. People are getting established in the faith. And that's the thing that I'm thankful for. And, and you know, as we kind of move forward into the world that we're in right now, uh, there, there probably is going to come a time when we need each other as Christians so desperately that all of these secondary things are just going to be like, you know what? Who cares? I don't care anymore. You believe in Jesus? Praise the Lord. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I haven't met anybody that believed in Jesus for a while. So, God help us. Finally, speaking of the gospel, let me just say this as we close. If you have not received Jesus Christ personally into your life, you, you haven't said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Forgive my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Then you haven't received the gospel. So that, that's it. The gospel is that Christ died for you to forgive your sins so you could be reconciled to God and have eternal life, which is not only that you go to heaven in the future, but that you discover God's plan and purpose for your life now here on earth. And the gospel is that invitation to come and have your sins freely forgiven so you can enter into that relationship with God. 
the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. Have you ever found it difficult to receive, keep, and maintain grace? Without grace, there's constant condemnation, fear, and anxiety. In her book, A Woman's Battle for Grace, Cheryl Broderson shares how all believers can find victory in the battle against grace. Cheryl points out the enemies of grace, but she also explains how grace gives power, forgiveness, blessing, and how it will enable you to live the abundant life that Jesus promised. If you want to live a life in the freedom of the grace of God, this book provides practical instruction to help and equip you. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.